We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Joining me now in studio is St. Louis Public Radio reporter Wayne Pratt. He's had the very tough assignment of spending <laughs> some time at Belle Reve this week in advance of the tournament, and he's gotten a close-up look. That's some pretty impressive real estate out there, Wayne, isn't it? I think that's a bit of an understatement. Yeah. Uh, I, I had the opportunity in early June before the activity really ramped up to drive around all 18 holes with the head groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. He has a fancier title than that, but that's, mm-hmm. that's what I go with, Carlos Araya. And it was fascinating because there was hardly anybody out there at that point. So we basically had the course to ourselves, and he was pointing out uh, specifics like how this grass line is cut and leads into the bunker so you can't really tell and his favorite holes and, and aspects such as that. And then I went out there on Tuesday, completely different world. Mm-hmm. All the grandstands are built. There's an influx of people. It, 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 it was like a, a, a mini city on itself out there compared to what was pretty desolate when I was out there in June. Just a fascinating contrasting picture. They have grandstands all over the golf course or just uh, at the beginning and the end? From what I saw all over the golf course, on Tuesday I didn't have a chance to walk all 18 holes because, well, it was wet and <laughs> my boots were a little soaked. Uh, but everywhere I went, there there was, uh, if it wasn't a specific grandstand, there was at least a sight line. People brought out their lawn chairs and they were sitting on, on some hills and so forth so they can see two or three holes at once and watching their favorite golfers and just sitting around really having a pretty good time even though the rain was coming down. You know, we were listening uh, to the uh, interview with Mike DeCola together, and you were commenting on the fact that uh, when he was talking about how the course is going to be somewhat disrupted for a couple of weeks so because of all the traffic and because of that rain that you mentioned. Yeah, I was walking around there on Tuesday, and that's the main thing that jumped out of my mind for most of the just the foot traffic I was doing throughout the holes, uh, a lot outside the ropes, as Mike was mentioning, a lot of that was already trampled down, and it was already Tuesday and we're going, as you know, through Sunday with the final round. So I can't imagine what shape that will all be in, even if the weather dries everything out here on the weekend like it's expected to. You know, we also talked about the membership and the, how the members might be feeling about all of this. And certainly there are some that are tickled to death that have all this happening. There have to be a bunch of them that say, I wish everybody would go away. I, I would think so. I kind of not in my backyard mentality. I would yeah. think some of them would have that going into this. But I would also assume that the majority see this as a really strong possibility to promote the club and to get onto a list where you're hosting a PGA major. That's a pretty prestigious thing in, in the golf world. So I think I would be part of the curmudgeon crowd <laughs> if I were fortunate enough to be a member. I don't want these people here. I like my course as it is, but I understand the other side of the story. I, I would be part of that curmudgeon <laughs> crowd as well. But, you know, you talk about it promoting the club. That's one thing. But they can promote it all they want, but most, most people can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. I, I did not delve into how much it would cost sure. to get out there, but uh, it's something that outside of being lucky enough to win a Powerball, I don't think I could probably probably yeah. aim for. But it, it's a beautiful place, though. My gosh. Did you have any traffic with the, uh, with the vendors out there? That's a pretty busy area, I, I gather. I don't know <clears throat> if this was 
uh, adjusted because of the rain compared to a normal Tuesday at a major golfing event in the U.S., but they have this massive championship shop out there where they're selling all the stuff, the hats, the little logoed golf balls, the shirts, and the shirts are like 85 bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. And the place was jammed when I was out there on mm-hmm. Tuesday, and this was probably around 2.30, 3 o'clock mm-hmm. on a Tuesday and um, I got into a line, ended up being in the wrong line, but I'm in a line to get up to a cashier. It took about a half hour. Mm. Everybody was in a great mood. Uh, usually when you get into lines, people are kind of restless. Mm. But these people were in a great mood. They're all golf fans. They're happy to be out there. But just the money they must be making off that alone, it has to be astronomical. My guess is the PGA won't let out those numbers when everything is said and done, but it would be fascinating to find out. Well, of course, uh, dollars is a big part of the story here, and they've been touting the fact that uh, this tournament will generate, what, $100 million for the community? From what Explore St. Louis told me a few weeks ago, that's a conservative estimate, but that's the number they're throwing out there. Uh, They expect 80,000 people to come into the region specifically for this tournament. And there's also some intangibles that are involved. And the biggest one I'd like to link it to is 30 hours of live broadcast television coming out of Bell Reef this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, TNT, the cable network that has the rights, I think they've been wall-to-wall yesterday and again today. CBS will essentially be wall-to-wall tomorrow. I don't think you can put a dollar value on that. That's a crowd of tens of millions, if not more, around the world watching hours and hours of coverage from our community. That's that's pretty significant. And a lot of them will be watching because of one player. That, of course, is Tiger Woods. Not that he's the best player anymore out there, but somehow he draws a crowd. And you had a chance to uh, to be part of that crowd this week. Tiger did a, a media availability on Tuesday, uh, and I happened to sit in on that. Um, you know, first off about Tiger Woods, everybody loves a comeback story. So everybody wants to watch and see if he can come back and especially win a major. And he moves that ratings needle on Sunday afternoons Uh if he's in contention. And that's a big deal for the PGA and also tournament organizers. So even though they probably won't come right out and say it, they're probably hoping that he's in contention late on Sunday afternoon. There's no question. Um, Tiger brought up when he was here around 9-11. He was going to play in the tournament that was scheduled uh, for here. And then 9-11 happened and they had to adjust plans. He hopped in a car. And started driving back to Florida and, you know. This is in 2011. Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, 2001. 2001 after our World Trade Center. And he was thinking a lot about um, the impact and what it all means, as we all were at that point. Uh, And he insists that that drive back from Belle Reef to his home in Florida, that's where he decided he wanted to change the mission of his foundation and be more about education and helping golfers who may not have the opportunity because it costs a lot of money to get into the sport Mm -hmm. and so forth. And he said he got to Florida, called his dad right away, and they changed the direction of the foundation because of his experience here around 9-11 and driving back home because they couldn't fly. Everything was grounded for a few days. And this is his first time back here in St. Louis since then. Yes, his first time, especially on the course, was Tuesday, and that was rain-shortened for a practice for him, so he was a little (laughs) frustrated about that. Uh, But um, he got a little emotional talking about uh, his experience around 9-11, being here at Bell Reef, and then coming back, being on the course for the first time since then. That was very clear. I watched part of that news conference on television, and clearly he was uh, very emotional about it. Any other thoughts that uh, you're going to take away from this uh, week in your experience out there? Well, I, I go back to June when I had the opportunity to scoot around the course with Carlos Orea, who, if you haven't met Carlos, great guy. Hmm. Just just a great guy, really jazzed about golf, really jazzed to be at Bell Reef, really jazzed to show off not just the course, but have the St. Louis area put its best foot forward, which I know sounds like a cliche at these things, but the four or five other people I've talked to about this, they all seem to be on the same page, really excited. And after, let's face it, what's been a bad few years nationally, the headlines for our region, they're really seeing this as maybe 
uh, an indication that things could turn around when it comes to the image out there outside Missouri for St. Louis. Really a chance to show off. Absolutely. We Absolutely. hope so. Wayne Pratt, thank you for sharing your thoughts and your experiences out there at Bell Reeve. Great to see you again. St. Louis on the Air is produced by Alex Hoyer and Evie Hemphill with production assistance from Aaron Dorr, Caitlin Lally, and Charlie McDonald. The executive producer is Mary Edwards. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Don Marsh. And I'm down for you always. Risha, do you love me? Are you riding?